You're listening to Cornfield Theology. My name is Brooks. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast, and I am here with our uh, Pope and Archbishop, Sean Powers. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> what are we talking about this today? This is Popes important and... because we're talking about Kanye West today, and no. he is the future Pope oh, of man. the Christian church. Because, you know, as, as uh, 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 someone I follow on Twitter, his name is Drew, as he has supposed might happen uh, in, the, in the future, Kanye yeah. West will unify yeah, yeah. all of Christendom under one universal church, and we will become... Uh, under under Pope, Kanye. so I'm not I'm not as like um, uh, I'm not as a voracious Twitter user as most or others, but man, he I'm he seeing him it on the everywhere. Kanye West, man, that's not actually what we're talking about today. Uh, by what, the way, I thought it was we're well, talking about something similar well, what's to that? Pope Kanye. Pope we're, <laughs> we're talking about uh, denominationalism. Pope, well, hold on, hold on. Is it Pope Kanye or Pope West or does he got to pick a new name? Right? He won't be the Pope. Oh, he's got to pick a new name. He gets to pick a new name. Dude, he's he's a awesome. Pope, right? You know, if you become Pope, you get a new name. If you're going to be part of an, he could be an apostle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're just kidding. Everything's no. going okay. We're not doing. What anything. are we talking about today? What are we actually really here for? We're, we're here talking about the Minnesota Vikings and the complete failure to show up for a football game. On Sunday afternoon, we talk about that for a minute. Uh, like literally after church. Here's here's how my Sunday went. Are Vikings fans really surprised? No, no. But here's how my Sunday went. So like I was committed after church to visiting my parents in Eastern Iowa, right? And I was going to take my kids and you know grandparents are going to hang out with the grandkids, and I needed to get there before the kickoff of you know three thirty, right? Why? So I'm because I want to watch the Vikes. I was going to watch so the you Vikes. They're committed play the to Bears. spend time with your parents. Like the, well, that's the subtext how we, that's is, how I'm committing to take <laughs> that's my how kids we spend to, time together. <laughs> I'm committing to take my kids to my to my parents' house so that I can watch the Minnesota Vikings. Well, you game. know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. Everyone won, except for the Vikings, who <laughs> got pummeled. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I'm like, why did I make this? Wait, well, I made the drive so I can be with my family. But man. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's been a rough sports week for all of us. Um, well, what's going on with you? I mean, Arsenal, Arsenal tied with uh, Manchester United. Well, and <laughs> don't listen. We talked about this before privately. Uh, well, but, yeah, we don't even need to talk about it. How's Man City doing? Um, doing Manchester City is one of the best teams in That's the right. entire world at the That's moment. My squad. Um, they are also one of the most hated teams. That's fine, and I think that that's it? justified and and deserved hatred. Didn't somebody say haters gonna hate, 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 hate? Yeah, hate? back uh, back to the Taylor Swift quotes over here, <laughs> dude. My I only the, it's my only Taylor Swift quote that I got. I love that Taylor Swift has been part just part of our podcast as we've grown. That's all I got, man. So today, let's get on the actual topic. We are going to talk about denominationalism. Nice, great. It's kind of a big word. What is that? Five syllables, denominationalism. Eight syllables. Eight? <laughs> you were way off. <laughs> I estimated in my head roughly. An eight-syllable word. That's crazy. There's a lot of denominations out there. Uh, approximately 23. 23? Yeah. <laughs> like in our in like our four-block radius, <laughs> you know? I think there's, there's multiple hundreds of... Just a varieties of Baptist denominations. Oh man, totally. Um, and then you've got yeah. So there's a ton of denominations out here, and our question, I guess, we're dealing with is: Are they bad? Are they good? Right. Um, someone made the comment to me once, and this is why this made it onto our list of things to talk about: that denominationalism is destroying the church. Yeah. What was their argument? 
for they that. didn't make an argument. It was a passive oh. comment that oh. had nothing to do with their talk well, that we were actually having. Well, it was which because we were that wasn't actual conversation. No, it was sure. just like you know, what I mean. in the course of conversation, yeah. someone kind of throws it out there or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's an interesting topic because um, one, just what we already said. There's a ton of denominations out there, and two. It, we all kind of come out of a context. Whether if you if you grew up in a church, you grew up either in a denomination or in a non-denominational or inter, inter- which is its own denomination. Yeah, it's, we'll get into that here in a, in a little bit. Um, but if let's say you didn't grow up, you know, in a church or didn't grow up um, in a Christian family or whatever, and you're looking around and you're just like, oh, we got the Baptists over there, we got the Methodists over there, we got the Lutherans over there, we got the Catholics over there, we got the Presbyterians over there, we got the Disciples of Christ over there. We, disciples of Christ. Oh yeah, they got their own thing. Oh yeah, they're they're big here in the Midwest actually. So Reddit got questions article on this topic, and the first thing they great, great did job. was uh, <laughs> way to do your research. <laughs> That yeah, got questions is not something you'd read for academic research. <laughs> Are you been footnoting that in your seminary classes? <laughs> no, I I would I would not use got questions as uh, as a re- reference you, on my paper. It's like the Christian equivalent of Wikipedia. Yeah, but I was reading, and also it's uh, it, it's got some obviously presuppositions and and theological beliefs. But the first thing they did was distinguish between different denominations, which they were saying are are uh, potentially a good thing, and like cults. Oh yeah, like Mormonism. That's not a denomination. Jehovah That's Witness. just a whole yeah. different religion. Yeah, we're not touching that today. Uh, you know, it just I got this little chart thing that's really helpful. If you just Google it, you can find it. But we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, show notes. You got it. Just listen. Church of England, Congregational, Baptist, Quakers. Uh, First Baptist. Are you going to list every denomination? No, some the Adventist, uh, Church of God and Christ, United Methodists. Oh, oh, Congregational Willow Creek comes from that apparently. I mean, this chart looks like an a dispensational end times chart. All the arrows flying everywhere. It's unbelievable, dude. Way to rag on two groups (laughs) with one stone. (laughs) Pretty good at that sometimes. That's awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. So I'll be here all day. Um, why do we have denominations? Yeah. Where did they come from? Yep. Uh, should a church be part of one? Let's start with the first question. Why do denominations exist? And where do they, like, where do they come from? Yeah. Why do they exist? Well, I do think the answer is multi-layered. I, I do think they exist for several reasons. At least, you know, Redemption Hill Church is part of a denomination for for multiple reasons. And one, there there is a sense of like partnership and mission with other churches, right? Like for about uh, a particular cause, like our cause is we want to um, advance the gospel, be part of that. We want to be used by God to advance the gospel in our communities, in our regions, um, in the country, around the world. And so partnering with other like-minded churches is a, is a way that we can do that. You know who does this really good? And there's several denominations. I'm going to move outside of the denomination we belong to, like the cooperative program of the Southern Baptists, like the, the cooperative program's brilliant. Yeah, especially for Baptist churches, which are yeah. typically loosely affiliated, right? To pull together their resources to support seminaries and yeah. seminarians to support missions, uh, both national and international. I mean, the cooperative program is is fantastic. Yeah, and we're not Southern Baptists, but I but I can admire like you know the end goal of what they're trying to do is raise money for all these all these efforts that are i think are worthy another reason why being a part of denomination i think is really important especially uh, i think it is in my opinion is accountability right and uh you know in our in our denomination there's something called a book of church order and uh that speaks to our polity and kind of how we structure outside in in the local church and then extra local polity so like i tell our folks all the time like if 
if I go off the rails, our polity protects the local church, right? And polity can keep me accountable. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. In the words of the great theologian philosopher, Timothy Keller, he said, local churches should be accountable to a broader body of elders than just those with their congregation. Sounds like a Presbyterian. It's a very Presbyterian thing to say. I think we've already kind of showed our hand a little bit because you yeah. revealed that we are in a, in a denomination, so yeah. that we are we are at least in some way pro-denominationalism. Yeah. And then, but I'm, I'm just going to go a little further and show my hand and say I'm pro-Presbyterianism yeah. when, it comes to, when it comes to polity, at yeah, least. Not, I agree. I, I agree generally, but And that accountability piece is extremely important. That's where Presbyterian polity is really helpful. Also, another reason why I'm, uh, um, I think denominations are good is theological fidelity. Uh, Part of the reason why I joined Sovereign Grace six years ago, seven years ago, is because of the theology. Um, Some some of the theological distinctives that I hold, they they hold as well. Yeah, continuationism, uh, Calvinistic, Reformed soteriology. Reformed soteriology, it's the same thing. Um, Complementarianism, yeah, yeah, a missional, a missional focus, yeah, partnership and mission things like uh, that. Gospel centered, all those different things. Yep. so that's something a lot of denominations have is that they are held, their churches are held together by a common confession right. or a common standard. Yeah. And so uh, for our denomination, that kind of ends up being our seven distinctives and our statement of faith. It shared values, yeah. But there is a lot of denominations who are held together by just the confession. A lot of Presbyterian denominations right. are held together in their uh, unity of the, in their belief of the uh, Westminster, Westminster Confession yep, of Faith. Yep. The Southern Baptists are, are together on the Baptist faith and message 2000, 2000 yep. um, which is a confession. I should put air quotes around that <laughs> word. It's it's barely exhaustive of anything. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. It's it's not as uh, robust as the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. For what, for what Baptists believe a church should be, an autonomous local church who are loosely affiliated with other... Uh, autonomous local yeah. churches. The Baptist faith and message is perfect because it creates uh, the ability the for people needed, who yeah. who have differences in doctrine, differences in polity to come together and and affiliate with one another to further the purpose of missions. Yeah. And, um, so that it's not a bad document at all. It's just no. not my preferred way of right. Yep. Uh, a document that would unify a denomination. But my question, I think, would be more, what, like, what is the reason that they're even necessary? Why do we have denominations at all? Like, I can see some of the benefits here. Uh, the You mentioned partnership and mission, accountability, theological fidelity. But why do we have denominations in the first place? Uh, and the answer I'm trying to get at, I guess I'm begging the question here, is that we are in an imperfect world of sin, and so we're inevitably going to have different uh, beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I believe in a credo-baptist uh, view of baptism. Right. That's a big deal if you're talking to, like, Presbyterians, right? Right. Who have a strong uh, view of covenant theology, and within that, um, pedo-baptism, right? And sprinkle babies. And so that's a, that's a sharp disagreement. It's a sharp disagreement, and it would not be possible for me to be at a pedo-baptistic church and raise my family in good conscience because they would want me to, I would be hurting their consciences by not sprinkling my my child and it'd be hurting my conscience to have to do that. This is how it fleshed out for me kind of growing up. This gets a little bit back to my story. You know, I grew up Catholic, right? And so... Yeah, you got your um, master's of theology from St. John's Benedictine University. (laughs) Right, up in College Hill, Minnesota. That's right. 
Um, yeah, that was good. Thanks. I don't know what has to do with this, but you grew up Catholic. <laughs> I did grow up Catholic, and then went to Catholic school as a Protestant. Yeah, I did. Oh man, I was their token conservative evangelical Christian. But that's another story for another day. But that was a lot of fun. I really appreciate um, some of the some classes I took, some of the professors there. Uh, but what I was going to say is, that, you know, growing up a Roman Catholic, you know, I got after I grew up Roman Catholic, so I grew up religious, and then in my early twenties. Um, by God's grace, I was I was saved. He illuminated my my heart and mind to the, and eyes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, and then I realized some of the things that I grew up believing changed. Right, like the Eucharist that was the big thing. And so I'd go back, you know, visit my parents, and out of respect, I'd occasionally go to mass with them, but I wouldn't take communion. What what I would call communion, they would call the Eucharist, right? And it was it was out of out of respect for them, um, and and because of what they believe about transubstantiation, things like that. And that's just another sharp disagreement, kind of like baptism, you know? So it's just mm-hmm. pointing that out to highlight, you know, it's not only good for the, you as an individual, but out of respect for that particular local church. So what you're getting at here is um, we need to be living out our consciences, yeah. what, what, we, what we are convicted of theologically yeah. and morally. Right. We need to be able to live out well in our faith. Exactly. So yeah. the Bible teaches that we should uh, obey our consciences, yeah. generally, right? We yeah, should all submit our consciences to the authority of the Word, but the Bible in Romans 2, 1 Timothy 1, I think it's 2 Peter 3, maybe messing up the 2 Peter reference, though. Uh, a few different places would teach that our consciences were given to us by God, to help us, it's the law of God written on our hearts to help us to uh, live in a manner that's holy and a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. And yeah. so it is a good thing, a biblical thing, to live out our consciences. Right, exactly. And, it, I, it hold the faith with a good conscience and, and you know, within the context, obviously, of your local church but and the denomination that you're a part of as well. So conscience matters, and like what you, your convictions matter. And because none of us are perfect, there's going to be differences in our, because our consciences are fallen, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And so there's going to be differences in our, in our theological beliefs, and in, in our, in our moral beliefs, even sometimes, uh, and things like that. And so in order to, to obey what mm-hmm. we believe God is saying, yeah. we, we can't do that if we're all going to be unified under one perfect universal church where we all agree, right, which is right. not a yeah. possibility. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Until Jesus comes back, it ain't happening. Until King Jesus comes, yeah. unites his church once and for all. Yeah, hallelujah. So I think, you know, part of what I've thought over the course of my Christian life is that why our church is not a part of a denomination, right? Like, you know, we, we were in the Twin Cities for quite a while, and there's actually quite a lot of, like, non-denominational or interdenominational church the church that i got saved into um was a non-denominational church but it was loosely affiliated with a yeah, bunch of other a churches of or whatever yeah and it seems uh, to be growing like the non-denominational movement is, is right. not it's getting but bigger. there's a ton of irony in it it's like actually you are actually identifying with a bunch of other non-denominational churches and they're just calling them networks at least, like, at least it's almost like denomination has like a dirt is like a dirty word in some circles and there's there's two reasons that that could be that people are are make, are planting non-denominational or starting non-denominational churches. And at least in my head I'm seeing two yeah. possible reasons. The first one is a good reason, it's theological. Uh to say 
oh, well, I don't believe that, I believe local churches should be autonomous. They should rule over themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and therefore it goes against our conscience to be accountable to a broader body of believers and a broader uh, number of churches and leadership or, or however that, whatever they believe. Right. And they're living out their theological beliefs. Yeah, locally, yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, in my opinion, it's not the best model of, of a denomination. Right. But they're living that out. And that's the best thing, I think. But the majority of it, at least from what I've seen, is not that theological conviction they're living out. It is them hoping for some type of... They think like denominationalism mm-hmm. uh, creates disunity. Right. And what they're actually doing is not having unity with literally any other churches. Right. They're um, kind of an island unto themselves. So that, yeah, they're looking at this perfect model in their head and they're saying denominationalism doesn't make that work perfectly. So that's not a good way of, that's not a good solution to our issues. So we're just going to be non-denominational. Yeah, I think that thing. makes the issues even worse. I agree. I, 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 I agree. I, I think there's actually um, some danger in being a non-denominational church or not affiliating with um, a denomination, or even let's say, uh, even a family of churches or a network of churches or whatever, you know. What would you say is the danger of that? Lack of accountability. I, I truly think that. I think um, as a pastor, like I always, one of the priorities is protecting the church, right? And denominations are a means uh, for that to happen. And uh, I think when you get into a non-denominational church or whatever we're calling them, interdenominational churches, there's two different. Uh, yeah, well, they have different two focuses. nuanced, em- two ones. Yeah, the different things. emphasis, but they lack accountability on on the denominational level, and I, and I think that's significant. And the other thing, of course, is shared mission. Now, non-denominational churches can go about shared mission you know, in different ways. These are big words. Yeah. Why do we come up with such a big word? I don't know. Denom- I think. Let's just get a, grab a can dictionary. Can I make a guess? Go for it. I, this no, is can't. not grounded in reality at all. This is just a, <laughs> Are you just sure a you speculation. Want to say it? <laughs> I think denomination Pure speculation probably, by Brooks Sebjack. Dun, dun, dun. I think it probably, like most other theological terms we have, came from a Latin word. And denomination <laughs> meant to, was a denomination is like, you know, a marking of something that's different. Like This you, is going to come up in cornfield cleanup, by the way. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. Yeah. But that's that's my guess. If I'm right... Uh, you owe me another coffee. <laughs> you another coffee? <laughs> he bought me one today. Yeah, you're welcome. You're the Thank intern. You. Usually it's again. interns that get the coffee for... Well, you know, it's what I said earlier. It's uh, humbling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so... Sidebar. Yeah, sidebar. And to get back on, on the topic, we're talking about um, issues that it, it it has to not be part of a denomination, right? Yeah. And you're mentioning those things, and a lot of also I've seen non-denominational churches. This is this is in no way I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush here, right. but many of them, not all of them, many of them, just lack theological distinctives at oh, all. Bro, yeah, you're so right. I mean, I'll, I'll I'm going to talk broadly because of my, you know, experience within a non-denominational church. But man, when I told that church that like, hey, I'm going to go to seminary, like the instant reaction was, what do you need that for? Can't you get all your theological education here? Now, on the one hand, I appreciate if if the heart of it is behind uh, behind it is the local churches need to be the primary place in which you receive your you know your theology and your depth. Yeah, if you're, if I love you're aspiring that. to ministry, oh, yeah. the local church should be the primary uh, for sure. training ground. But that so wasn't the heart behind it. It was like you don't need theology. Right. That was the perspective. We don't need theology. We need Jesus. Yeah, exactly. I and think, then it's just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. 
Another one of the hard-hitting uh, theological journals of our time wrote a piece on that, uh, the Gospel Coalition. Okay. <laughs> uh, I it was I think it's just titled "I Don't Need Theology, I I Need Jesus," and I, I'm gonna say it was by Brett McCracken. I'm probably wrong in attributing it to the wrong person, but it was a really good article. Corn I shared it a long time ago. Yeah, we'll clean it up in a little bit. But I would recommend that TGC article. I didn't read it. What's the premise? It was that you're you're doing theology when oh, you say we just need Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I say it all the time. We're all theologians. Yeah, you know, we're all theologians, man. That's R.C. Sproul's book. Is Everyone, it? everyone's a theologian. See? There you go. It's R.C. Sproul's, Sproul's introduction to theology. I'm right. I'm gonna pat myself. I was talking on the back. to someone on Twitter about that yeah. um, the other day, and they mentioned that R.C. Sproul's basic <laughs> basic thing he was saying is everybody's a theologian, oh, yeah. but most of you suck at it. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and you non Christians are theologians on some level. Atheists are theologians. On, you know, Every, yeah, everyone. everyone is. So this isn't like a Christian thing. It's like we all are coming to the table trying to understand God and who God is or not, you know, who God isn't or whatever. Yeah, you know? theology isn't a, a unique study to right. to seminarians, but, nor but is I, it unique to Christianity. But I think that's the perception, the perception in the pew, right? That's the perception of um, non-denominational churches, right? Sometimes, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a not as good case. Which is why I would recommend. I would actually really recommend the book. Everyone's a is it everybody or everyone. I always get those. It's everyone's a theologian by R.C. Sproul. I think really yeah. good book. Yeah. I recommended a lot of good resources so far. Yeah, I mean the other thing to say about um, uh, one of the uh, benefits of being a part of denomination is that in terms of shared partnership, is that uh, theological aspect, right? So, for example, we have a pretty rigorous um, ordination standards, and so. If you're going to be a pastor within this denomination or even Presbyterian context, like you, you're gonna, we're gonna make sure you, you're going through some training in order to get there. So it's like your MDiv or or some guy off the street can't be like, hey, I'm going to be a pastor today. Well, no, denominations also have another path to make sure that you have clear uh, understanding of and grasp of God's word, clear understanding of theology, etc. Right. So. I was just thinking about this passage with the Bereans, right? If we're talking about uh, needing to have a theological conviction and needing to live those convictions out, what the Bible paints people who really search the scriptures and come Be to like conclusions Bereans, yeah. as something that is is virtuous. What it's a good thing. Yeah. So we're talking like not having theological distinctives. That's not a virtue. That's not a good thing to say. Oh, we're just creating more unity with more people. That's not actually true. Um, especially if you look at Acts 17 and verse 11, when the Bible's talking about the Bereans, it says that they're of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Right. Can you imagine, like, God saying that about you, oh, by yeah, the way? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the saints at uh, Frontier Church in downtown Des Moines are of more noble character than those at Redemption right, Hill Church right, in Waukee. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, like, that kind of thing is just like, oh, wow, that's uh, a that's a out, difficult statement to hear. Yeah, shout out to that church, though. They're doing a great job. Yeah, Frontier's... Our friends, they're, they yeah, are fantastic. Cool. Another church plant in Des Moines. Um, but uh, the people at uh, the Bereans were more noble than those at the church in Thessalonica. Why? It gives us a reason. Because they received the word with eagerness, and they examined the scriptures mm-hmm. every day to make sure that what they were being told was accurate. Mm-hmm. They went back to the word of God, because the word of God is coming from our King Jesus, who's the Lord of all churches. They go back to the Word of God and say, "Is this true?" And so, what we're doing, we good good theologians, 
go to the word every day and remember yeah. everybody's a theologian i'm using that broadly yeah. go to the word every day and, and see what is true and if they're going to live out their convictions it's it's easier to do that when we are in different denominations yeah and and just prior to um that passage in acts you go to acts 15 where we see we see what partnership can look like right we have the the jerusalem council right there's a there's a disagreement going on and paul and barnabas um you know, they were in a debate and they're going to Jerusalem to basically ask the question, what do we do? And so we see them going somewhere to others and saying, hey, this this flared up in our local church. Can you help us work it through? And so we see what part, we see just a little bit anyways, of what partnership can look like. Um, I don't know, kind of a denomination. Oh, no, we have, yeah. we have oh, some, no. we have, we, we're just not left, you know, making this up on our own. We have scripture to go to in, in terms of help, help us understand what partnership can look like and what it means to as a, as partners to have some theological depth as well. True. I want to go to what you were talking about, about creating uh, ability to support missions more. Partnership, mission, evangelism, yeah. those type of things. Um, it doesn't, I just, uh, to give a possible negative of denominationalism, yeah. sometimes people who are in denominations, I've seen this especially of Southern Baptist churches, they neglect missions and evangelism because they believe, oh, our money's yeah, going toward that, that That's already. a real deal. Uh, so it's like, oh, we're, we don't send any missionaries, but we give to the cooperative program. Yeah. Well, your church, every church individually, locally, is responsible to be sending missionaries, to be yeah, evangelizing yep. their communities, there to be a light to the world. Right. And so I think both of those things work out, need to be happening in a, in a local church. Yeah, right? absolutely. Same thing with theological education. We kind of touched on it already, right? Seminaries can be like replacing the church. <laughs> yeah, and that's... Yeah. the same thing kind of going on. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. That should not be happening. Yeah, and se- I, 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 for the record, I'm pro-seminary. Uh, I, I'm 50 50. <laughs> As someone in my fourth year right yeah. now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll debate that. That's another podcast idea. Yeah, hey, if you want to hear us debate seminary, make a comment, let us know. It and wouldn't we'll be. Go after it. I don't think it'd be a debate. I'm just going to state like, my thoughts really quickly, just so they don't think I'm anti seminary. It's, <laughs> you, I mean, it's good for some people. But yeah. you really have to ask yourself, if I'm going into ministry, um, can my local church prepare me for this? Can I prepare myself for this and not put thirty to $50,000 into a degree? So, like, if you need if you need the credibility, if you, need the, if you don't have the integrity to do the study yourself, if you don't have the knowledge to know where to go and what to study because you're not under pastors who are teaching you mm-hmm. or helping you, mm-hmm. um, then seminary is a really good thing to... And, and, and I think that no matter what, seminary is going to add benefit. Yeah. The it's just a. I'll debate. Is it worth day. it or not worth it? Is for each individual person <laughs> needs to answer that for themselves. Yeah. I'm four years in. I'm not quitting now. I'm just saying. <laughs> also, I absolutely love my seminary. I have I have yeah. gained so much, learned so much. That's good. From from Midwestern, uh, from my professors. So you're pro seminary, but you're not anti seminary. I think you meant to say you're not pro-seminary, but you're not anti-seminary. No, you're pro-seminary. I heard that from you. Oh, yeah. And I'm pro-seminary. Yeah. For some, anti for others. <laughs> like, I met, can I, a little side story here. I met a sure. guy at the conference I went to at Midwestern a few weeks ago who was, one like, probably the most amazing interaction I had, the most encouraging interaction I had while I was there. He's a pastor in uh, Texas who was telling me, and he, I think he was uh, late 40s, and he was telling me he's going to go back. He's thinking about going back uh, to Midwestern and getting a master's in theology. Um, 
because he thinks it would benefit his church because he's like that's the key right there there's some things that i'm don't i'm just not yeah. knowledgeable about yeah. and so my but my first question i asked him when he said that and i didn't ask this and i asked this to as if a, like a son would ask a father right uh was that first timothy three or four but i i just asked him why do you want to go back mm. to mm. seminary because Someone who's established in ministry obviously knows the Bible very well, knows their theology. Even yeah. is it worth it for you to put tens, dozens of thousands of yeah, dollars right. into into seminary? I think that's the right question. I mean, it benefits the local church, and that's the key. If you're going to go get right when he said that, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, done. I'm yeah, all in. Yeah, exactly. That's the right heart. That's the right spirit. That's the right so, motive. Side note. Done. Done. Are we done with that. We're done with that. Oh, you really couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just been this has been stewing in my mind right. for the past couple of weeks, so I just thought I'd say say it while we were here. I also didn't want people having the wrong idea. Yeah, fair enough. But going back to the talk on denominationalism, maybe we could go into some areas why where denominationalism really is imperfect. Why it's not the perfect well, I guess I should ask, is it the perfect solution to the issues that we face of our theological differences? And, and no, there's no, there's no perfect solution. Right. So um, it's gonna, you're gonna have flaws as long as you got people and organizations and you know people who are sinners. You're gonna have you know flaws within those organizations. So yeah, yeah, it, flaws, always, even po- uh, polity flaws. You'll have theological flaws. Man, I, I no say denomination this, is perfect. Yeah, nor and, is every, denomination. Yeah, and perfect. every denomination has church politics. Like people don't want to hear that, but it's just the reality. Like just get over it. You got people, you got organizations, you got politics. Go go to go to a business down the street. You got politics, coffee shop, politics, church, you know, politics. I mean, the question is are people humble and how they how they interact and Yeah, like that's that. the difference. We can't say like the spirit of Christ, that's what we're looking for. Exactly. We can't say like, you know, church has politics, oh the business down the street has politics and like they both will, but they should be markedly different. Oh, absolutely. Christian <laughs> the politics that happen within a denomination. Oh, we should be. Should, we should. We should definitely distinguish ourselves from all that. Yeah. But I'm not going to hide behind the fact that some of that's taken place. Oh, on some yeah, level. for sure. That's my point. And I think there's a naiveness to it all, being like, oh, this is the perfect place. Like this. this I mean, this is how tunnel vision people can get. Like, and I'm just picking a denomination top of my head. Like, I'm part of SBC, or we could talk about SBC. I could be a Presbyterian, PCA, PCA USA. Doesn't matter. Liberal, conservative, whatever. And you get so tunnel vision in your own denomination that you think everything about it is perfect, everything behind the scenes is going well. And that's just that's just naive, right? right. Be like the Bereans. Yeah, be like look at the scriptures, examine the scriptures, yeah. and hopefully the the interactions within your denomination should be conforming to the fruit of the spirit. Yep. Um, yeah, Galatians six, yeah. So, but what are some of the down? What are some of the imperfections, the downsides to denominationalism as a solution to our issue of theological distinction, theological and convictional distinction? Some of the downsides. Well, whenever you have a denomination, then you're you're committing yourself to a particular. Uh, well, it depends what what you're signing up for. So, whether it be a statement of faith or your polity or shared mission. You're, what you're doing, you're signing up for those particular more narrow lanes, and you got to be committed to those things. And um, oftentimes, what you'll see is people say, "Hey, I'm committed to those things," and then there's a change of heart down the road, or a different perspective, or theological convictions change, or maybe the denomination changes, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you got to wrestle with that. Like, is this is this my home? Like, if you personally move the goalposts on what you initially signed up for, like. That's a problem. If the denomination moves the goalpost on what you signed up for, well, you got to think well about whether you can exist in that. 
And uh, I mean, this this is why denominations split. Like, you yeah. just look historically. It just I could rant. SBC and NBC. Yeah, I mean, P, uh, the R, RCA this is simple and church history. Right? What's that story you told me about that? I it's something. This is like tertiary ed, uh, information I'm passing on here, but I think they split over like some. They split in the late 1800s. The, this is the Christian Reformed Church and the, and the Reformed yeah. Church of America. Right. I believe they split over like some argument about cabins or something in the late 1800s. <laughs> so, something really dumb. Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something really dumb. Matt Sh- Matthew Schmidt, Matthew Eric Schmidt, one of my best friends, he was the one who he, uh, who told I me that. Yeah, I think yeah. he grew up in an RCA church yeah. in, uh, in Michigan where, where 59% of them are. I made up that number, but... Yeah, so like so those realities exist and they happen for a reason. Let's save the uh um Christian Reformed Church of America and, and that split, which seems to be silly if that's true. I mean, people do split on more meaningful issues, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's theological convictions, moral convictions change, right? We're seeing that today more and more. Uh remember the, the Methodist Church recently went through this? Oh yeah. And um, you know, part of it was they were voting on whether they could ordain uh uh homosexual ministers. Yep, yep. And so, you know, they voted a particular way and, and now the question is are they gonna split over it? And so that happens all the time. The ELCA went through that uh, a little while back in recent history. Um same issue. And and so you just, you gotta ask the question, is it worth moving if the goalpost is moved? And uh look, I'm just gonna Move on, go to another reason because we're getting yeah. we're really belaboring up on the time. point. Yeah, we're re- no, we're just really up on time. I th- we didn't belabor the point at all. I don't think. But uh, last, this is our, our, our my last thing I have written down for us to to mention here is the argument that people usually make about why denominationalism isn't the best thing or isn't perfect is because of the First Corinthians one uh, Paul's command yeah. not to say I follow Apollos or I follow Paul, and so I'm, that's the Bible. So mm-hmm. how do we exegete that scripture? And how do we obey it well is a question we need to ask. And in my opinion, I don't think it's condemning distinction. It's not. No. Um, Whether, it's not saying like only identify with Christ. Right. You know. Um, so I, I guess my question to you is how would you exegete that? What do you think it's saying? And how could that apply to us? Well, I would, I would simply say this. Like whether you're, I don't know, PCA or SBC or, you know whatever denomination you're a part of, we all want to follow Christ, right? That's that's the chief end goal. That's what we're here for. Now. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. But that's that you follow Christ. You, I saw a seminary that's following plants. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, what is this world coming to? You're following plants. It's ridiculous, bro. This world is crazy. I mean, sorry, another sidebar. I this world is crazy. It's, my it's crazy. Oh. Anyways, where are we at? First Corinthians. First, First Corinthians. Corinthians so, you, yeah, talking about I follow Apollos, I follow Paul. Um, there is something that's being condemned there, and from my reading of it, my uh, my uh, interpretation of that, I think that what's being condemned isn't distinctions. I think what's being condemned is the prideful distinctions that actually do yeah. disrupt unity. Yeah. Um, there, 
you can have difference of opinion and still have unity. And an article Absolutely. on Christianity Today, another hard-hitting theological journal that I read. <laughs> I keep saying these things jokingly. An uh, article I read on Christianity Today uh, by Johanna Reardon, I think was her name. She, she wrote this quote. The mere fact of separation does not its, itself constitute schism. It is possible to be divided at many points and still be united in Christ. Yeah. Um, and I think what's being condemned in First Corinthians one is not the division and, and distinctions that people were making over theological beliefs. It was that they were actually disunifying themselves with one another based on those. Right. And we see the same. We see that that All the same time. command in Philippians uh, two, the beginning of it. Philippians one, the end of that. Right. And I would I would simply add to that like um, we're we see we need to learn to disagree well. Right, even if you're in the same denomination, right? There, there's you're never going to agree with everything that the other pastor, part of your denomination, you know, down the street, you know, you're going to find disagreements there. Yeah, I want to sum it up here because we're really bad on time right That's now. That's my bad. Uh, no, it's not your bad at all. I always say that every episode. Yeah, I don't know why. You always and then, say then you always say, no, it's not your fault. No. Uh, but yeah, we're bad on time right now. So let's just, I'm gonna just gonna sum it up, and you can, uh, you know, change my wording or add to it as much as you'd like. Sure. Uh, I think that denominations allow people to live out their theological, moral, uh, political uh, distinctions with a clear conscience. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, denominationalism is imperfect, but it provides a a solution to Mm -hmm. the issue that we face of of our imperfection and, and disagreement with one another. I think that denominationalism is the way to have utmost unity in a world where everyone disagrees. Unity, accountability. Um, I think that's important as well. Yeah. So uh, this is going to conclude our main part of this episode, and well, we're going to move into cornfield theology in a second. Is that okay? Cornfield what? Cornfield uh, cleanup. It's uh, right. That's All coming right. up next. See you soon. And we are back from our little break. Had a cup yeah. of coffee. Yeah. Even had a, even made a cup of tea. <laughs> you did. I did now both of those things, and we're back with cornfield cleanup. And there's quite the cleanup, man. Uh, it's not horrible. I mean. I, I mean there's a few little mishaps. So I'm I'm owning I'm owning my stuff. Uh, first thing, want to go through? Sure. We mentioned the cooperative program in the Southern Baptist Convention yeah. and why Couple I think times. that's a great thing. Yeah. Uh, one of my professors actually wrote a book on that. His name is Robert Matz. He wrote it with another uh, person named John Yeats. I think John Yeats is Missouri Baptist Convention or something like that. But anyway. Which is a part of the SBC. Which would make sense because they're in Kansas City. I'm wondering if he is with my school as well, John Yeats. I don't know him, but uh, the book is entitled Better Together, You, Your Church, and the Power of the Cooperative Program. It's a fantastic book. If you're wanting to learn about the cooperative program, it's really small, and it explains why the cooperative program small. is amazing. It is small. It's like 90 pages So if you pages don't like so. reading, this is, your, this is your book. Well, I would never want to read like a large book on the cooperative program. If he wants to read you know, a book was, on that. When I went to seminary, it was not a small book on the cooperative that program. That was one of three textbooks. Oh, man. For an eight-week class. Oh. And the others were not small. Okay. <laughs> it, made it, it made up for another area. Yes. All okay. Right. Uh, next, we mentioned that uh, interdenominational and non-denominational, non-denominational had a nuanced difference. Yep. What is that difference? So non-denominational, it's like I don't want to affiliate with uh, another denomination, hence non. And then interdenominational is like, you know, everyone's invited. You know, if you're a Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic, whatever. Right. It's, it's, it's more inclusive, trying to be inclusive in the language. 
is from what I've seen, interdenominational is more uh, used to describe not churches but parachurch organizations or universities. Oh, sure. Yeah. So like I've seen churches do the interdenominational thing too, though. But I understand the parachurch focus yeah. as well. So I like get that. TGC, which, right. which we talked the hard hitting theological journal we mentioned earlier. Right. Uh, they would be interdenominational. Uh, crew, crew would be another great example. Yeah, crew yep. is one. Uh, my the university I went to before Bethany Global University. I'm not sure what they'd call themselves, but they're interdenominational. Yeah. They'll accept people from any denomination. Right. Whereas churches typically, I mean, to be interdenominational is a I've seen difficult. a few like that, though, on their website. We're an interdenominational church. And I'm like, okay. What does that even mean I know, for right? a local church? <laughs> uh, next. Next topic of business. I made a guess as to the etymology and, of denominations. And I'm waiting with bated breath. Were you right? It is from Latin. Yeah. That's, right. I, that's as far, that's as deep as I went into my research. <laughs> um, so well, That's all right. you need to clean up. I was right. Yeah, you're right. Latin. That's a pretty good guess, though, if, about really most words. Good job. Um, next thing. I mentioned a article on the Gospel Coalition. I told you there was a lot of cleanup here. Man. Well, yeah, we're going through it really quickly. Uh, in that article, I don't remember what I said it was called. I think it was called, like, do I, like, why isn't Jesus enough or whatever. I was yeah. wrong on the title. The title is, Why is Theology So Important? Can't Jesus Be Enough? I said it was by Brett McCracken. It's not. It's by Kevin DeYoung. Oh, yeah. Rev Kev DeYoung, I think, is his yeah. handle on yeah. Twitter. The Kevin DeYoung. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that I was wrong on that, the title and, and everything. Also, it's, like, mostly a video. I read that a year ago, so. And then we got two more things to mention. Sean, I'll let you take these away. Yeah, I think I said, like, Christian Reformed Church of America. That's not accurate. I was conflating the two different Reformed. Yeah, the Reformed Church of America and, 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 and the, Christian Reformed Church. And the Christian Reformed yeah, exactly. Church, yep. Then I said PCUSA. What did I say? PCAUSA. PCAUSA. Yeah, that's right. There's PCA, and then there's PCUSA. Because we don't like manuscript these things, like, yeah, those just, are just bound to And happen. we're just talking, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not concerned about little things we miss. Listen, when I... <laughs> On a Sunday morning, I manuscript that bad boy, so these, these little flubs don't happen. <laughs> Podcasting, a little different. Man, I manuscript when I preach, too, and these little things still happen. Well, I should, I should, I should, I should backtrack and say they occasionally happen. They're You've got perfect. a lot more experience than me, though. I'm working on it. Well, um, guys, as, as always, we want to mention it's really helpful if you would go yeah. leave a review on iTunes, if you're listening on iTunes, that you would uh, subscribe to the podcast however you're listening to it on. And we, we're we not under-exaggerating. We'd say we would really, really, really love to have your comments. Yeah, please do. Questions, comments. I, like, we want to interact and, with and is you. Is there a topic you would like us to talk about and cover? Like, yeah. I'm super interested. I'm, I'm interested in um, what our listeners would enjoy, you know, in terms of topic. Yeah. So please. So even something. if the comments just like, hey, this would be a fun topic I've been thinking about. Hey, I heard about or this if it's in like, school hey, or great episode. Home. Or hey, yeah. I didn't like that you said this. Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Look, it's really easy if you go to our uh, the web the just the pe- web page for Cornfield Theology. It's redemptionhilldsm.org forward slash cornfield theology. You can leave us a comment, send it to us, and uh, yeah. we'd really appreciate that. Yeah, we would too. I would as well. All right. Well we will see you in the next episode. Peace out. Bye.